happening in the world and what our, our political leaders are saying, trying to do about it. And, you know, I, I'll get up and I'll turn to one of these news stations on TV and, and I'll listen to, to some of the things that are going on. And one person says we need to do this and another person says just the opposite. And I don't know how we ever run a country. I, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat. Everybody's got different ideas. And it's so confusing to me because I don't know enough about what they're talking about to have any idea. Is this right or is this wrong? But they think they know, and they'll go to their death of trying to get that across to us as to what's going on and what should be going on. And so it gives me comfort when I come to God's Word, and God's Word says, here is what we need to be about. Here is what, as Christians, we need to to be doing. And so this morning, I, I share with you from God's Word. I don't share with you from a political point of view because I don't want to have a political point of view in church because I want to have a God point of view. And wherever that leads you, that's fine with me. And so I would say always to you, seek God first. And then where you come out on the political spectrum, that's up to you and God. But if you're seeking God first, I, I'm not going to worry about that. Because I am too, and if we're listening, we're going to be on the same side, wherever that is. And I'm proud. I'm proud to be an American. I'm even more proud to be a Christian. And as we bring these two together, they should come together. And you saw what our early forefathers were doing and what they were all about. That they were about God first and then the country second. And what a great example for us as we come this morning. Let me share with you some advice from children. Now, now, these are great truths, I, I guess. You decide. This is from Talia, an 11-year-old. She says, when your mom is mad at your dad, don't let her brush your hair. <laughs> now, that makes sense to me. Does that make sense to you? I, I, I think that's right. Okay, here's from Tracy, a 14-year-old. Never allow your three-year-old brother in the same room as your school assignment. Yeah, that's good. Here's from Mitchell, age 12. Don't sneeze in front of a mum when you're eating crackers. Probably not a pretty picture. Andrew, age 9. Puppies still have bad breath even after eating a Tic Tac. <laughs> Can't you just see this child on the ground? <laughs> yeah, all right. Kayoyo, uh, age 9. Never hold a dustbuster and a cat at the same time. <laughs> and then our mirror, age nine, you can't hide a piece of broccoli in a glass of milk. <laughs> you know, I tried that with a plant, though, that was on the table. I think my sister led me to it. She was six years older, so she kind of corrupted me. And we tried, we had a rule that you couldn't leave the table till you finished all of your food. Oh, I sat there for hours sometime. But then she taught me how to hide food in the plant. Or when they weren't looking, go in and put it in the garbage can. So, you know, I understand this, this Amir and, and his concern about finding a good place. Well, enough of those truths. Let me give you a truth that comes from God's Word. And as we look at this, it would be wonderful if we have something that, that just lays it on the line for us. 
that we don't have to scratch our heads and say, I, I wonder what that means. I, I wonder how you do that. I, I wonder how that's implemented. And this verse begins with the word if. And if is a major word here. It's a major word in all of Scripture, if. How many times have you used that word if? How many times has it been major in your life? How many times have you heard it could have been different if? Or I wonder what would have happened if? Or if I had tried, or if I'd gone to that school, or if I'd married that person, or if I'd rely and really applied myself, or if I hadn't given up, or if I had waited to get married, or, well, you fill in the blank. You probably have a number of other if statements that maybe that you have made. And, and really, as you look at the past, it really doesn't do much good to look at those if statements. Because what has happened has happened. It's done. Leave it behind. As you carry those things forward, it's like an anchor. It just drags you down. So leave those if statements behind. Today is today. Make today different. Do something different with what you have right now in your life. Now, this 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 14, is a beautiful passage because it is an if proposition. And with that if proposition then comes what will happen. Look at that verse. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Notice two phrases in there, if, and then what comes there, and then, then. If this happens, then this will happen. I like that. It makes it clear. It leaves no doubt in my mind what our mission is to be, and our direction ought to be. So with this passage, let me share with you some direction, some, some truth that we see that at least I hold evident in my mind and in my heart, and I think you will see that it is truth. And the first one is the truth that the promises of God are true. You got to start there. If you don't start there, then church isn't worth it. If you don't start there, the Bible isn't worth it. If you don't start there, being a Christian is not worth it. But the promises of God are true. If you turn to Titus, and I won't have you do that, but you could later. Titus chapter 1, verse 2. The reason I don't have you turn there, you know why? Because most of you have no clue where that is. Because it's only just a real little book, and it's hard to find thumbing through. It's right after First and Second Timothy and First and Second Thessalonians. 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st, 2nd Timothy, and then Titus. But what we have there in verse 2 is it tells us that he does not lie. That everything that he says is true. And, and I, I take that to be truth. That God does not lie. In fact, 2nd Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20 tells us, and this is out of the messenger. It's kind of an interesting translation or paraphrase of the Bible. It says, Jesus carries out and fulfills all of God's promises, no matter how many of them there are. And we have told everyone how faithful he is, giving glory to his name. 
My friends, you can take that to the bank. Now, I know some banks aren't quite as good as others, so make sure you get a good bank. You can't trust your bank always, can you? Ask Frontier Bank. But you can trust God's Word. So let's see. The promises of God are true. So secondly, let's go a step further now. And, and there's no question that, number two, God wants to bless his people. Do you like that? God wants to bless you. God wants to bless me. He's in the job of blessing people. In fact, that statement that we saw up there about if, then, that's going to happen. So he wants to bless you. Luke chapter 12, verse 32 says, don't be afraid of missing out. You're my dearest friends. The Father wants to give you the very kingdom itself. Now, folks, the church is not dead. God is not dead. And we don't have to be dead either. Because we have this promise that God wants to bless us. Now, now Satan would have something different for us. If we wanted to trust in Satan, he's got a whole realm open to us. But there's death there. There's no life there. There's no joy there. There's no happiness there. Let me share an interesting piece of what might be Satan's battle cry. Maybe you'll recognize some of the words here. Backwards Christian soldiers fleeing from the fight with the cross of Jesus clearly out of sight. Christ our rightful master stands against the foe, but forward into battle we are chicken to go. Like a mighty tortoise moves the church of God. Brothers, we are treading where we've often trod. We are much divided, many bodies we, having different doctrines, not much charity. Crowns and thorns may perish, kingdoms rise and wane, but the church of Jesus hidden does remain. Gates of hell should never against the church prevail. We have Christ's own promise, but think that it will fail. Sit here then, ye people, join our useless throng. Blend with ours your voice in a feeble song. Blessings, ease, and comfort ask from Christ the King. With our modern thinking, we don't do a thing. My goodness. Aren't you glad that's not our rally call? Aren't you glad we don't stand on that as truth? As we come this morning... We come not believing that kind of thing because I still think the church can be a mighty force. It may look different than it looks today. The church today looks different than the church did two years ago or five years ago or ten years ago. But there is still power in the church. Look what it can do in a town like Sumner. And, and we're only just the tip of the iceberg of what we can do in a community like we have here. The church can be active. The church can be alive. If, if we come back to that verse in 2 Chronicles, if, my people. So, okay, we have the promises of God that are true. We have that, that God wants to bless his people. Let me suggest a third thing. And that is the blessings of God usually carry with them a condition. Remember that if verse? The key to seeing the Lord move with my, once again in his church, is that little word, if. 
Our verse begins, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. This morning, let's look at those different things in this passage because they are important that we understand those things. First of all, this is given to his people. Who are his people, by the way? We are. We are his people. So if his people, if the Christians, if people who take the name of Christ and hold it high, if those who follow Christ, if they will do something, something will get done. Do you know what that means to us? We can't blame the country. We can't even blame the politicians. Hate that. I'd rather blame the politicians, wouldn't you? It's just so easy for me to say, oh, those politicians, can't they do anything right? You know, that's a cop-out. That's too easy. Because I can sit there and say, it's the politicians. <laughs> if I ran the country, it'd be different. Oh my, it sure would be. I, I have to laugh as, you know, and I'm, I'm not telling you how old I am. I'm awfully old. In all my years, it is kind of fun. When, when the party that I like is in power, I feel really good because I feel we're in good hands. But I don't like it because all those other people in that other party, they always attack my people. But I, I feel really bad when the people in that other party get in because I don't trust them. And, and my party's not in power. But I take solace in that then I can blame the other party for everything that goes wrong. So in one way, I'm happy because my party's in there. In the other way, I'm happy because I get to blame somebody. See, that's a cop-out, isn't it? Because nothing gets done. There's nothing good that comes from that. You know, as we look and as we respond to who we are, and as we look at the condition that God gives us, we have to be careful that we just don't point fingers, but that if we, if my people, we are his people, and the responsibility 